We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, everybody? My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, and welcome to Pack-A-Day Podcast, a show where we talk about the Packers every single day. As always, I'm joined with my wonderful co-host, Zachary Jacobson. I wouldn't call myself wonderful, but you know, I, I appreciate it. We went through hell trying to set this episode up. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm currently recording through a broken <laughs> gaming headset. Um, it's held together with painter's tape and hopes and dreams. <laughs> and I'm recording through a uh, Samson microphone. I have had absolutely zero problems. Thank you, by the way, Maggie, for the microphone. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, lucky for you. My normal, uh, f- quite famous at this point, microphone on a boom arm is finally giving out. Turns out that $17 eBay microphones don't last very you, long well you made it last pretty long like you got a very long lifespan out of that so i i commend you for that i think everybody else does too i i did yeah and and um i will be able to reuse my usb interface my boom all of the other stuff it's just i need to replace the actual microphone itself yeah i i i can't relate i mean i i'm pretty infamous for using google headphones or no the iphone headphones for two three years now and I, I guess Maggie felt so bad for me that she got me a headphone or a uh, you know microphone. So yeah, it feels good to be on top of the world right now. Solid. Well, uh, speaking of on top of the world, the Packers are currently seven and two, and we'll be finally heading home to go against the 
I'm not going to say tail spinning Carolina Panthers, but the Carolina. Yeah, well, Panthers. if you look at Twitter in the past week, dating back to last Sunday, then you wouldn't think they're on top of the world. In fact, you would think their entire world at 1265 Lombardi Avenue is caving in on them. Like everything is just horrible. And the entire organization is just turned upside down and the season season is over. But no reality is like you said, they're seven and two. They're coming off a, yeah, a very bad loss to the, the LA chargers, a, a clunker. It feels like they have one of those every year. I could pull up multiple examples. I tweeted that last, last uh, Sunday, it was just a game where they weren't focused. They weren't locked in. Aaron Rodgers said as much himself, and they just didn't show up to play. Yeah, um, I mean, that's totally fair. But we're also, we're talking about a Chargers team that won 12 games last year. Like, the, the and the Chargers currently have a not great record, but every single one of their losses mm-hmm. has been by one score. And the Packers have done very, very well in one score games. And that it's. I'm not going to say that they got exposed, but I'm going to say that they're, weaknesses were shown to the public. I, I, this that Chargers this Chargers team reminds me a lot of the 2008 Packers. Their record was horrible, but all of their losses came I think it was by 4 points or fewer. Like there was so much talent on on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So you could say the same for the Chargers. Yeah, Keenan, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, and then on the defense, you got, you know, that that great pass rushing pair of Melvin Ingram and and Joey Bosa and like this isn't some slump of a team. They didn't lose to like just a horrible roster, like a, like a JV squad. Like they lost to a really good football team that you like you mentioned. They were twelve and four last year. It's a good football team. Yeah, yeah, they are a good football team, and and they got absolutely boat raced by a good football team playing at home. <laughs> so uh, the Packers are going to be returning home, and they will be playing a good football team. And they hopefully are a good football team. So maybe we'll see the exact opposite. Yeah, well, I mean, we can only hope. I mean, <laughs> the Packers, they are going to be at home. They're going to be back at Lambeau. And I mean, it, it would be great to go into a bye week with a win against you know, a team who a lot of people peg as, as a potential playoff team. You know, right now, I know they don't have Cam Newton, but they do kind of, you could argue they look better without Cam Newton. But they got someone who's in the running for MVP at running back. Oh God! So the last time a running back won MVP was Correct. Adrian 2012, Peterson? I believe. Ah, uh, yeah. And Christian McCaffrey, if you look at DVOA, he is not terribly efficient. He is just voluminous. Yeah, he, like he he is making big plays happen. Like at, he is ripping off chunks of yardage at a time. Big plays. But he's 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 ripping off chunks of yardage at a time. But he is also getting stuffed a lot. It's a very Barry Sanders esque boom or bust mm-hmm. kind of play style. And uh, so the average fan that doesn't watch the Panthers is going to see the the highlight reels and they're going to go see his gaudy numbers and go, oh, my God. But then it's like, OK, well, he had two rushes for over 40 yards and then otherwise had a bunch of two yard carries. But the thing is, he can also be a factor in the receiving game as well. And that's why I feel like absolutely it, it's it's the best possible time for the Packers to get someone back like Ibrahim Campbell. Oh God. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, how long have you and I been actually probably since the start of this podcast have used the term money backer over and over again, excessively, probably (laughs) more than the uh, average healthy person should. And, uh, Matt LaFleur in his press conference, I think it was Wednesday, uh, said that the, the nickel linebacker role is a very important role in the Packers defense and having Campbell back. He, I think he said that it was a, uh, it was a carousel of people 
I think it was the word that he used. And and he said that now that Campbell is back, uh, everyone else will get to stay home, like stay in their natural position. Yeah, because you bring that creates stability there because they had guys cycling in and out on the back end. They were playing Adrian Amos in the box and he could play there, obviously, but that's not ideal. You don't want him down there. You want him on the back end just to shore up your secondary alongside Darnell Savage. You know, and they've been having to rotate Will Redmond back there, Chandon Sullivan, who has been a really pleasant surprise, by the way. But um, yeah, they've been rotating guys in and out. That's just primarily because they lost Raven Green. They didn't have Abraham Campbell, obviously, on the PUP. But now he's back in there. That just brings more stability, not only to, you know, the back end of the secondary, it allows guys to, you know, as he said, stay home, but that gives more flexibility down there in the box. Like if they want to go heavy against the run, they can go with PJ Goodson next to Blake Martinez, or they can allow Campbell to get in there and get some reps against the run because he, he played really well against the run in his three games last year. He tallied, I think it was 20 tackles in three games. Like he, yeah, absolutely. He, he was a monster. Yeah. He was, he, he was he wasn't definitely scared. a big part in, he was a big part in taking out the Vikings. Like his, yep. he stopped the rushing attack. Um, and Blake Martinez is is a thumper. He's a tackle machine. He's mm-hmm. uh, um, I I referred to him on Twitter as AJ Hawktinez. <laughs> I hate you so I, much. Or it was, it was something. Or, no, I called him uh, Blake J Hawktinez. That was. <laughs> I, I remember so seeing that. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of a of a mid to late career, like like a post Dom Capers AJ Hawk who um, is going to make the tackle. He's a sure tackler. It just might not be in the spot where you want the tackle to be made, mm-hmm. where he'll make a five-yard downfield tackle instead of a line of scrimmage tackle. However, I, I did get a bunch of people in my mentions that were very mad at the description because Blake is a full-on uh, coverage blower, and AJ really never was. Look, I think anytime you can... <laughs> I'm sorry, anytime, anytime you start with a big, a big sigh and a... <gasps> look, look. <laughs> you, look, you know my feelings toward Blake Martinez, okay? Yeah. <laughs> look, anytime you can compare a white linebacker for the Packers wearing number fifty that plays middle linebacker to AJ Hawk, I think I think you got to do it. Yeah, it's I, look, and the other thing is is people saw that as as I was trying to say it was a detriment. AJ Hawk was a starter for a decade. Like, like I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, it's necessarily like, a bad thing, but but we know who Blake is. Yeah, being compared to AJ Hawk isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I mean, right. AJ Hawk obviously you could you could say he maybe underperformed for a fifth overall pick. Sure. And and but. I would honestly argue that he didn't. Like um he was drafted as a 4-3 outside linebacker. He was asked to play a 3-4 inside linebacker after a couple of years and was was good was good to great for a big chunk and was okay to good for most of it. And I think if if you are a consistently um, not a detriment player for more than 10 years. Sure. You're worth the fifth overall pick. I I agree. I, I just, okay. Well, then, like, <laughs> that always happens. Like you and I end up with like, like, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you, you hit the, next. you hit the explanation to a T. Like I, like I really didn't find any fault in that, but you know, with, with Martinez, I mean, he shouldn't be asked to play in coverage. And I think that's why if they pair him with somebody who specializes in that aspect of, you know, of, of defense. Like that's why they drafted Oren Burks last year in the third round. Right. He was supposed to be that like he's, he's a safety convert. He's supposed to be able to come in and, and, and kind of secure the middle of the field. 
while Blake just plays downhill, plays aggressively. But now he's being asked to do a lot, and he's doing it with. Exactly. If you look at it, what are you laughing at? I, I said exactly. Like oh. I, I agree. <laughs> but, but also, he's trying to do, you know, do you know when Blake played his best football this year? When? I mean, it's it's very on brand for you. He was playing next to Raven Green. Oh, what do you know? Like when when you have a safety playing linebacker and is asked to be the coverage in the middle and Blake gets to play downfield, just like you were saying, he played very well. And it just so happens that the guy he played best next to is your undrafted free agent crush from last year. My boy Raven. Your boy, but just pour one out for Raven. That that poor bastard asked to play. I mean, he's he weighs like a buck eighty five asking to play linebacker. <laughs> And he had no fear doing it either. Like he stepped oh, in there and he was doing so well. And and that, yeah, to, to, to my point, when he has someone formidable next to him, that allows him to do what he's good at. And that's playing against the run, playing downhill and sticking his nose into traffic. And he, it, as early as last week in, in LA, he did that early in the game, even with, with one damn, one damn hand. It was, it was <laughs> early, early in the game. I remember one specific play. He crashed towards the line of scrimmage and he made a play. I think it was on, on uh, Austin Eckler or it was on Melvin Gordon. I can't remember exactly, but he made a play at the line of scrimmage, something that Twitter tells me he never, ever does. And I remember because I tweeted about it immediately. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> hey, excuse yeah, me. Hey, hey, hey guys. <laughs> but yeah, and he, he does that a lot. And I know the narrative is he, you know, he, he sits there at the second level and waits for the plays to come to him. And he, you know, he, he makes the tackle. He's a sure tackler, you know, four to five yards past the line of scrimmage, but that's not always the case. Just turn on the tape and watch it. He's not always doing that. I'm just so I'll just I'll, I'll defend Blake Martinez till the end of time. <laughs> so uh, it's funny if we, if we look at the opposite side of things. Everyone's worried about Christian McCaffrey, but it was uh, I think it was Peter Bukowski who said on Twitter a few days ago he, he showed uh, rushing DVOA of Christian McCaffrey versus rushing DVOA of opponents for the Carolina Panthers. And he said, yes, Christian McCaffrey is a monster. However, the Carolina Panthers uh, defense makes every running back look like Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> he has, he does have a point. Like, I mean, even if you just look outside the D, the, the DVOA, like they're, they're 26 and then rushing yards allowed per game. Right. Yeah. Like they're, they're not good. So if the Packers really want to like, kind of steal the show from McCaffrey at Lambeau, just feed Aaron Jones and feed Jamal Williams. Get them the ball. Something that, that the Packers have done very successfully lately is use 21 personnel, which is a um, mm-hmm. uh, five-second description for people who don't understand personnel namings. The first number is how many running backs are on the field. The second number is how many tight ends are on the field. And then that implies how many uh, wide receivers there are because you know that there's going to be one quarterback and five linemen. So 21 personnel means two running backs, one tight end, and then the remainder are filled with wide receivers. Uh the nickname for that within the Packers offense is Pony Personnel. And uh, Ben Fennell did a, a great article for The Athletic this week explaining how successful the Packers have been with Pony Personnel, especially in the pass game, because you have to respect both Packers running backs, not only as runners, but as pass catchers. And so there's this great screen where um, it was the touchdown against the Vikings for Jamal, where Aaron just took off on a, on a route to the flat and pull the linebacker with him. And uh, Rogers just stared him down to get the linebacker and the safety off. And then uh, just turned and, and chucked to the right to Jamal and Jamal ran in almost uncontested. 
I think that we're going to see a lot of pony personnel against the Panthers because uh, they suck against the rush. And because they suck against the rush, they're going to have to respect it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Matub, Matub is predicting a lot of pony, a lot of pony personnel. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> so, I, sorry. I, I, anytime we talk about pony personnel, I immediately think of uh, Genuine, that song, Pony. It's, just, it's what comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what else do you think are going to be the keys to the game here with, with Devontae back? A lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Aaron's staring down Devontae and and it's making the, the offense worse when he's on the field. Look what they used to do and then look what they did against. <laughs> Which is absolutely ridiculous, by the way. Like, that was not the plan. The plan wasn't to force feed Devontae Adams. It seemed fun to speculate that at first, you know, Sunday night when you're kind of rewatching the game for a second time and you kind of you realize like, hey, Devontae Adams had a lot of targets and they kind of strayed away from getting the running backs involved in the passing game. You know, maybe that was their plan. But then the week goes along and you kind of realize like, no, you come back down to earth that that wasn't a thing. The Chargers had a really good game plan for what the Packers were doing. Well, That's also, just we have we have not in recent memory actually maybe ever seen uh, both Balaga and Bakhtiari get so thoroughly beaten on the regular. That was ridiculous. Like, that, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, the, well, Joey Bosa is top three um, pass rushers right now. Ingram has got to be in the top 10. So yeah, top 10. So watching, watching two amazing pass rushers do their work and completely disrupt the Packers offense. And LaFleur said it himself that, that he, gave up on the game plan and panicked. Yeah, he he did say that after the game. He he, he said he had to do a better job of kind of not panicking and sticking sticking to what, you know, what they planned on doing and it's just it's crazy cuz Bulaga did he he was having a great season. Right. And it was just one of those days and Bakhtiari it, his year has been kind of like less than the typical standard that we've seen. He's been great, but a lot of penalties from him. Yeah. Well, but, you know, as far, seen, as far as getting beat, um, I mean, he was, he hurt his back very, very early on in the season. Yeah. And I would suggest that that's been a nagging injury and he can't plant and, and really get on, get into his stance the way that he used to, you see him, you see him get stood up against power rushers in a way that we haven't in the past. Yeah. You have, you have to think like there's something there. Yeah. Like something, there's there's no there's no like oh he's just getting older he's regressing finally no there's nothing like that it, it's probably something kind of underlying that's lingering a little bit but to answer your question about you know one of the one of the kind of biggest things that you know could could kind of sway the game you know one of the keys here I I want to reference a tweet from Zach Cruz uh, a couple days ago I think it might have been yes uh, Friday actually um, we've seen all season or at least last few weeks how the Packers have bent. They haven't broken in the red zone. They've allowed opponents to kind of drive down the field and not get into the end zone, just kind of settle for field goals. To reference his tweet, the Panthers, as far as red zone touchdown percentages allowed, they're last in the league. Woo. They've allowed nearly 70% of red zone touchdowns. And the Packers, they're sixth. Nice. Just under just a little over 48%. So that kind of that coincides with the whole bend don't break thing that we've seen. Like they've they've opponents have been able to move the ball against his defense lately, like between the twenties, but when they're in the red zone, things kind of tighten up 
and the Packers have been playing really good defense, but that's, that's the, that's kind of the thing. Like so, you can't be bad between the twenties and just good in the red zone. You know, you got to be able to kind of maintain that same philosophy yeah. all throughout the field. So a couple, you know? couple things, one fire capers, uh, two, <laughs> <laughs> uh, two tighten up by the black keys is an all time banger. It, yeah, you know, it is. Absolutely. It is. I agree. And and three, uh, when you have, I'm not going to say poor safety play, but when your safeties are asked to do a little bit too much, you kind of allow teams to move. And uh, when you're in the red zone, it's like having a third safety. And so, so I I, tr- I truly believe in Ben don't break as a uh, as a defensive philosophy, but only if you're not reliant on turnovers because turnovers are not sustainable there. It's they're, they're just not, I don't care how many bear fans were in my mentions all off season saying how turnover differential is sustainable. It is not. And so if you force teams to kick field goals on every single possession and you are scoring every other possession of the touchdown, yes, that hundred percent works, but it has to work in tandem with a successful offense. I mean, we saw that against the chargers. I mean, the Packers couldn't force a turnover to save their lives and the chargers had like, what was it? Four field goals. Five, I think. I think. <laughs> five, five damn field goals. So it was, it it was four, a turnover. It was four field goals before their first uh, touchdown. And then and they had that, another field goal after that. I think so. Yeah, and, and at that point, the defense was completely gassed because the offense was going three and out like it was their job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you said, turnovers aren't, aren't sustainable. I mean, the Packers, they were forcing turnovers like, turnovers like nobody's business early on in the season. But the last few weeks, they... They've fallen off drastically, and I think. Well, turnovers I mean, just like like I keep saying, turnovers are not sustainable. You can't rely on them, um, and in the in the exact same way that that you can't rely on a corner to drop interceptions, in the like as many as many interceptions as Kevin King dropped, that meant that he was always going to be in the position, and then ended up catching a few. In the same way that if if you see a bunch of turnovers, eventually you're going to regress to the mean and you're going to miss. I guess. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense? Here? I don't know. I just wanted to talk about Kevin King for a second. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about Kevin King, we can start a separate topic. I mean, no, no. Um, are, are, you, are you saying he's getting comfortable? You're like, you get comfortable with complacency. Just the fact that you're there to make a play. Well, so no, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a point of a regression to the mean in that uh, eventually Kevin King is going to catch an interception after getting three pass defenses that were actually just dropped interceptions. He's going to catch one. And in the same way that if the Packers get three turnovers in a game, they're going to get a game where they get zero. It's, it's a regression. Okay, to okay. Me. That's, it's, yeah, I understand it now. Football is not baseball and that you can rely on it almost hundred percent statistically, but there are certain things that happen and you're going to regress. You, you can't have amazing outliers constantly. Well, yeah, if you're on, I mean, if you're on Twitter, football is 100% analytic driven. So, oh God, don't. Okay. I'm, I'm EPA. I'm, EPA. I'm very big fan of EPA. Um, I, I think it's imperfect, but I do believe in EPA as a as a decent metric to start off with. However, uh, I was just discussing this with um, Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and Shepherd Express that there are ways that we can make EPA better in the way that. Um, if if a if a uh, quarterback throws a pick six, it is actually only slightly worse than if they throw a regular interception. 
And uh, I figured that a, uh, a pick six should actually um, be roughly equal to a regular interception because you're not only losing your, your EPA of that drive, you uh, are potentially wasting time with your offense and, and putting it on, on other people. So it's, it's uh, yeah. if you throw a pick six, you get the ball right back and, and you can kind of fix that. Um, there's, there's, pro- there's problems just... with EPAs is basically before I get off on this huge tangent, but, uh, I do think that, that the stat heads get kind of crapped on, especially because you get guys like Ben Baldwin who focus in and completely ignore when, uh, stats and film are supposed to work in tandem. I love the work Ben Baldwin does, but I'm not the biggest fan of using EPA as like the be all end all metric right. of like evaluating, you know, quarterback play. And it's and like, I, I never, I never will be Baldwin. Um, hates talking about film until it makes his point <laughs> like against the, against the uh, chiefs uh, Aaron Rodgers had a dropped interception on an underthrow to, I think it was Geronimo. It was like in the first quarter. Uh, it was, it was pretty badly underthrown by a couple yards. And then the uh, Brashad Breland dropped it. And Ben Baldwin posted a gif of it saying, something along like, like the narrative of like Rogers receivers are dropping balls and blah, blah, blah. And everyone laughed. And oh, yeah, it was the deep ball. Yeah. And, and then Rogers throws the amazing touchdown to um, Jamal Williams. And I, I said, Hey, why don't you gif that you douche? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I, I said, why don't you gif that you pompous douche? Cause pompous. That's is, even better. Pompous <laughs> is, a, is a very important modifier. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of ironic. Yeah. The word pompous is pompous. It is, but <laughs> it, in that context, it works a lot. Like it, it, like like you mentioned the the film and the analytics were kind of working in tangent. You know that that goes perfectly with the word douche. I feel like in that <laughs> in that context, like, <sighs> like, like either word can't function without. So the the, it the film own. and the analytics say that the Carolina Panthers' pass rush is still pretty good, regardless of their porous rush defense. Sounds kind of similar, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as of right now, uh, the line is Packers minus five. Um, it opened at Packers minus five and a half. Um, over under is, uh, crap. I just lost the over under, um, 47. So that means the, uh, combined score of the two teams will be above or below 47. Um, and Vegas thinks the Packers are the five point favorites. And because they're at home, that makes them roughly the two point favorites on a neutral field. What, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I predicted Green Bay 34, Carolina 24. Wow. That's that's a high number. Yeah, I, I go well beyond 47. What? <laughs> uh, well, not well beyond, but I, I go I went a little bit a little bit beyond there. What if, uh, what if I, I said 27, 21, 27? I think that would be fair. So twenty-seven twenty-one would put them one point over the over. Um, it would put the Packers to cover, and that would mean that Carolina scored three touchdowns and the Packers scored on five possessions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, okay, so so I, okay. I guess in my in my, uh, I mean, you could say the Packers score on five possessions in my in, in my uh, guess too. Absolutely, they, they just miss they just miss an extra point. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, uh, the current. Oh man, I got to do the numbers on that. The current um, extra point percentage is like ninety four percent, something like that. Um, and Mason hasn't missed one yet, so statistically he he should. Not to to like 
I swear it's. Why would you? Why would you say that? So it's yeah, it's at ninety five percent right now. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if if Mason Crosby misses a, a extra point and the Packers lose because of it, I will do my comeuppance and apologize profusely. Uh, I, I will. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Jesus Christ! And if, if I if I cursed the Packers, um, hey. Speaking of speaking curses, of curses. <laughs> speaking of curses. <laughs> I got a new one for you. Uh, when is the last time that the Packers um, uh, special teams was even mediocre? I mean, like mm-hmm. mediocre would be well beyond what they are right yes. now, right? Uh, currently, they are uh, on pace. Well, let me answer. Jeez. They're they're currently on pace to be the worst punt returning team of all time. Oh, last time they were mediocre, I, I want to say at least. Last year, <laughs> uh, I would say a little more for that. Like, let's say, uh, I don't know, maybe when Jeff Janis was on the team. That you're not going to do well in Wisconsin with comments like that. Uh, Jeff Janis, after the 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 Janis exodus to Green Bay East in Cleveland, um, Packers special teams took a nosedive. Even after hiring Sean Menenga, aka uh, Michael Chiklis, to be the coordinator, they got even worse. Um, and uh, then they got rid of their only good special teams player to Oakland. <laughs> which which I will be very vocal about. And, and it's funny. I was very vocal in the beginning of the season saying Trevor Davis should not be on the team, specifically because he was being used too much on offense. Um, I believe in keeping a special teams gunner. Uh, I mean, look at Bill Belichick. He, had, he, he keeps special teams only guys on the roster all the time. He believes in special teams. He's the greatest coach of all time. Maybe we should listen to him. Mm-hmm. So, Curse of Jeff Janis. Mark it down. Pack a day podcast first to talk about it. So you think... Okay, wait. So, so, so are you saying so until, Jeff Janis... Jeff Janis... Jeff Janis leaving is the reason they're bad. Yes. Jeff Janis, le- oh. Jeff Janis leaving is the reason that the Packers special teams are bad. Oh. <laughs> what? What's, what's, what is wrong about that take? I just don't even know what to say to that. I, like... <laughs> Any any kind of praise for Jeff Janis, I'm just so over at this point. Like after going through the whole Janis over Adams thing, the whole you know Janis is the next Jordy thing, oh, just all of the Janis nonsense. Like I'm just so over Jeff Janis. I'm so but sick you, of hearing about Jeff. You Janus. have to remember that I was never that guy. I always believed in him as a special teams gunner and a potential deep threat, and that was it. I never thought that he was gonna. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's very on brand for me to to have a Jeff Janis take that's both reasonable and funny you're you know your definition of funny is very morbid <laughs> oh man <laughs> hey uh why did the no actually that, that would be a very bad joke <laughs> <laughs> um so the panthers special teams far and away better than the packers the panthers offense uh just as good possibly better than the packers it mccaffrey is the straw that stirs their drink um and they've got a quarterback who is serviceable. Their defense can't stop the rush. However, their their pass defense is passable. Packers, very similar team, um, except that they've got a tandem of running backs instead of one superstar. What do you think? You think it's it's enough? I think it's enough. <laughs> I think it's enough to drop to drop thirty four points. You think it's enough to I drop? mean, okay, well, it's, so so Zach thinks it's going to be a very high scoring game. I think it will be a very mid-scoring game. So I'm going to say uh, Packers win, Packers cover, and the total goes under. I mean, is 34 or 24 really high scoring? I feel like that's like an average NFL score. 
nowadays at least maybe but i just 30 points is still to me a lot that's anytime you pass a 30 point barrier that's a that's an offensive whooping and unless they they really get it done on the ground so i guess i will concede i look at 40 is that if the if the packers go over 200 yards rushing I think that a score over 30 points is entirely possible, which they definitely could. They, they definitely could. So against, against, this, yeah, I guess the more I think out loud, it's not, it's really not outside of the, the realm of possibilities, but I, I, I tend to be the kind of person who goes very conservative, but the current betting consensus is 57% on the Packers to cover. So that means the Packers buy two field goals or a touchdown at least. And Vegas knows, man, the, um, Currently, the Packers are uh, uh, six and three against the spread. Well, I mean, Vegas probably thinks the Packers are also favorites to sign Des Bryant right now. So, I mean, <laughs> do they do they always really know? They, I mean, Packers I mean, Packers are six and three against the spread. So, there's a regression to the mean bit there that I could talk about. Um, Panthers are five and three against the spread. So, um, this is going to be pretty good it's funny the the packers the panthers record are five and three so that means that when they lose they lose pretty badly (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so i i'll take i'll take packers uh 27 21 and zach i'll take packers 34 24 all right we'll see who is right uh next time uh i'll next time a pack a day podcast when andy talks about the post game tomorrow for what it's worth i picked green bay last week 38 25 so Hey, well, hey, hey, I picked Green Bay 37-30 in Kansas City. I was really close to that one. Yeah, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. I think um, yeah. had Mahomes played, we probably would have seen a 40-point Packer game because that would have been a real shootout. Yeah, more than likely. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. But Unless Zach wants to interrupt one yeah. last thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know I, I like to interrupt. I like to, I like to steal the whole, uh, the whole vibe. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. As always, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. And I am Zachary Jacobson. You can find Matub at? At Call Me Matub everywhere. um, You can also find me at Matub Lifts on Instagram if you want to watch me do some weak stuff. No, he's he's not kidding. You can actually find him on Instagram at Matub Lifts, and he actually lifts. And you can actually actually call him Matub. That's his actual handle. Not kidding. Uh, You can find me on Twitter now at, what's my handle now? Uh, Z A oh, yeah. Jacobson, I believe. Yeah. Z A Jacobson. That's my my new Twitter. I handle. literally just had uh, my buddy Jesse just asked me today what your new. Oh handle yeah, I was. saw that. I didn't get a chance to reply. I'll I'll reply after we finish here. Uh, I got him. So it, that's that's cool. That, uh, so shout out to Jesse Malakar for um, looking up Zach, wanting to to get to Zach's timeline. Yeah, yeah. It's not often people willingly want to follow me. I, re- I really appreciate that. So follow me at Call Me Matub, follow Zach at Z.A. Jacobson. Make sure that you follow the Pack-A-Day podcast on uh, Twitter, on Spotify, iTunes, uh, basically anywhere that Stitcher, anywhere that you can get your podcasts. And make sure if you follow us on iTunes to give us a five-star rating, it really helps the show. Are we good? I think that's it. All right. All right, guys. Catch you guys next week. Have a great day and go pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.